Yemen is such a dangerous country for a Christian to live out his or her faith that most Christians keep their faith a secret. Uh, if they don't, they face all sorts of persecution from family, from friends, from terrorist groups, and from the government. So when a Yemeni man named Khalid gave his life to Jesus Christ years ago, it's no surprise that he kept his faith a secret, but he also kept it a secret from his wife, Samira, who was not a believer at the time. But like most true followers of Jesus Christ, Khalid desired to be around other Christians, to find groups of believers he could be with. But after a while of sneaking around, Samira knew that something was up. And that's when Kala told her all about his faith in Jesus Christ. And at first she didn't like the things that she was hearing, but she couldn't help but admit that all these positive changes she had seen take place in her husband's life were a result of his faith in Jesus Christ. And because of that, Samira decided to give her life to the Lord as well. And for two years, they lived as secret followers of the Lord until they decided that they wanted to make their faith publicly known, even though they knew the risks. Shortly after they decided that, Khalid was presented with the opportunity to be baptized, and he decided to take that opportunity. Samira was baptized with him. Soon their fears of public profession were realized, though. A terrorist group got its hands on the photos of that baptism that took place, and they distributed DVDs that included the pictures of all those who were baptized, like Samira and Khalid, and included their names and their address. Not long afterwards, people, including their own family members, began to regularly threaten this couple. They were both beaten at different times. Their house, their cars were vandalized. The police said that they weren't going to help them because they were Christians. Eventually, even their children were verbally abused by others. And then in 2014, that terrible day came when Khalid's son woke him up screaming because Samira was on fire in the kitchen. They later learned that someone had broken inside their home and put gasoline in Samira's jar of cooking oil. She suffered third-degree burns, and when the hospital staff realized that Samira was a Christian, they started treating her less. And then eventually the doctor injected her with a drug, and hours later, Samira died. I think sometimes we don't realize what our family in Christ is going through all around the world. And maybe some of us hear a story like that, and we wonder why these believers would risk so much just to fellowship with other Christians. Why they would risk so much to publicly follow Jesus. Why they would risk so much to be baptized. And the answer is because in their love for Jesus, believers like Khalid and Samir want to obey the Lord no matter the cost. And the question is, is that true of us? Are we willing to be identified with Jesus no matter what the world says or does? Or do we choose to live as secret Christians? Even though we live in a country where we're free to fellowship, to gather together, to worship, and to evangelize. I mean, how much are we willing to publicly identify as followers of Jesus Christ? There are many ways we can do this as Christians, but the first one, the one that believers down through history like Khaled and Samira have engaged in, is baptism. And so this morning, 
We're going to continue our sermon series, Why It Matters, by talking about a few of the reasons why baptism matters. I encourage you to follow along in your Bible. We're going to begin in Matthew chapter 28 this morning. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be in various passages. So I would encourage everyone, as we move through this this morning, whether you follow along or not, write these references down. Go home, take a look at them, study them, meditate on them. Matthew 28 is where we'll begin. After Jesus died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and then powerfully rose from the dead, he appeared to his followers on several occasions before he ascended to heaven. We're picking up during that time here in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 16. It says this. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So before ascending to heaven, Jesus told his followers to go and make disciples. Now that command applies to all of us today too, believers. Why is it that we share the gospel? It's because Jesus commanded us to do that. So that through the gospel message, people could hear the good news. That Jesus died on the cross for their sins. That he powerfully rose from the dead and now he's offering them the forgiveness of their sins. The salvation that we all need from hell. And he is offering them eternal life in him. We share that message of salvation in order that people might put their faith in Jesus and become his follower, his disciple. And we talk about this command from Jesus often here at First Baptist Church of Oxford. In fact, it's part of our mission as a church to share the clear and simple message of the gospel with our community and the world. But Jesus didn't stop there. He didn't stop with sharing the gospel message. He said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. So why should disciples be baptized? It's because Jesus commanded it. The first reason why baptism matters is because it is a part of our obedience to the Lord. I mentioned something earlier in this sermon series, which is that it's really the only reason we need to do something as Christians is that Jesus commanded it, and so we should obey. I mean, it should be the natural response as his followers that we would obey his commands, that in our love for him we would desire to do the things that he's told us to do. I mean, our obedience is a mark of discipleship. Jesus said in John chapter 14 that our obedience to him proves and demonstrates our love for him. So if we're here and we would say, yes, I I love Jesus, he's mine and I am his, then we have to ask, are we living lives of obedience to him, including in baptism? Baptism is a command Jesus clearly gave in Matthew 28. Now, I understand that some people can't get baptized because they don't have the opportunity, like people in countries where Christians are persecuted for their faith. Opportunities for baptism may be rare, But normally for Christians in America, opportunity isn't the problem. In fact, we're going to take away that barrier today anyways. For others, it might not be a lack of opportunity, but maybe it's a lack of understanding that's holding them back from being baptized. 
So they put their faith in Jesus. They know that they're supposed to be baptized, but there's still some confusion. Jesus commanded it, but why? I mean, what makes it so important? Something else that I know I've mentioned before is that I love how often in the Bible God doesn't just command something. He tells us why he has commanded something. And so again, we're going to look at some of those questions today so that we can remove that barrier in order that we would all walk together in obedience as a church. So let's go ahead, if you're following on, let's turn to Acts chapter 2 together. <coughs> Acts chapter 2. Shortly after Jesus ascended to heaven, his followers were gathered together on the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was another name for the Jewish Feast of Weeks when they celebrated the harvest. Many Jews traveled to Jerusalem for this feast. And on this day, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descended powerfully on this group of Jesus' followers. It caused quite a commotion among the crowds. Now, Peter got the attention of many of those people gathered, and he preached a powerful sermon. He told the people how Jesus came, performing miracles in the power of God, yet the Jews crucified him anyways. He talked about how Jesus was buried, but powerfully rose from the dead. And this is how Peter ended that sermon in verse 36. He said, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow, 3,000. Uh, I want to briefly address something here at this point this morning. I want to briefly address the idea that is fairly common in many churches. And it's the idea that baptism, uh, that it saves us. I want to address it now because some people will look at a passage like Acts chapter 2 and say, well, Peter said, repent and be baptized. And he said, Repent and be baptized, and then he talks about the forgiveness of sins. That shows that baptism is a part of salvation. But if that's true, then the Bible has some problems. Like when it clearly says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. So Ephesians says salvation comes through faith by God's grace. Paul said this in Romans 10, 9 through 10. He said, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. In verse 13, Paul went on to say, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul just talked about being saved a bunch of times, but he didn't mention baptism. 
In Luke chapter 23, when Jesus hung on the cross, one of the two thieves hanging beside him looked at him and said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. That thief died that day on his own cross. He was never baptized, but he put his faith in Jesus. And there are many other examples that we could look at in Scripture. My point is this. The Bible is very clear. Faith in Jesus alone brings salvation. Those with faith in him are then baptized. In Acts chapter 2, Peter said, repent and be baptized. Repentance came first as a result of faith in the message. I mean, who are we told were baptized that day? Verse 41 says it was those who accepted Peter's message. Well, they were the ones who believed that Jesus is the Lord and the Messiah, that he was crucified, that he rose from the dead. And those believers, those new disciples, were baptized. All right, so faith, which brings salvation, always in Scripture we find it always precedes baptism. So that we understand it is salvation, then baptism, not salvation through baptism. It's very important that we understand that, church. But that brings us back to the main question this morning, which is, so why does baptism even matter? Why does it matter? It's interesting to me that you'll notice in Acts chapter 2 that people didn't even seem to question the call to baptism. Now, certainly part of that is the fact that they would have been familiar with the concept of it. Keep in mind that years earlier, this guy that they called John the Baptist came on the scene preaching a baptism of repentance. Now, that is that people would repent of their sins, and then they were baptized as an outward sign of that inward decision that they had made. There was a public declaration for those people that they had repented. Likewise, on the day of Pentecost, the Jews would have recognized that this baptism was a public confession that they had believed in Jesus as the Messiah, that they had repented of their sins, that they were now identifying with Jesus Christ because they were being baptized in his name. So the second reason why baptism matters is because it is part of our public identification with Jesus Christ as Christians. Baptism is when the believer says, I am his, and he's mine. And when the believer says that, regardless of what anyone in the world may do or say. Khaled and Samir, they were baptized knowing that that decision could bring disaster. And it did. And in Acts chapter 2, these same individuals, they were baptized with knowledge of the fact that identifying with Jesus, it can make their lives difficult. I'm certain that they understood that. Keep in mind that the Jewish religious leaders hated Jesus and his followers. So becoming a public follower of Jesus Christ, that was a big deal. Yet Peter, Peter made the expectation clear. If you're going to follow Jesus, follow through in baptism. That's why all throughout the New Testament, you see these believers, they get baptized immediately after they put their faith in Jesus. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, he stops his chariot. He says, look, there's some water. And he asked Philip to baptize him. In Acts chapter 10 and chapter 16, whole households came to faith and immediately they were baptized. This is one of the reasons why we understand baptism to be the first step of obedience in the Christian life. But the idea of an unbaptized believer in the New Testament church, that was, that was unheard of. 
Because if someone truly gave their life to Jesus, well, nothing should hold them back from identifying with their Lord. So what holds us back today? What holds us back? It's not persecution, not in America. It's not convenience, necessarily. I mean, there are plenty of churches eager to baptize followers of Jesus. What holds us back? Let's look at another passage together. If you're following along, turn to Romans chapter 6. Beginning in verse 1, it says this. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. All right, we're going to stop right there. Paul starts by saying that Christians are not supposed to live their lives defined by sin. Now, why is that? Well, because that's who we were before Jesus saved us. We were lost sinners, but that's not true anymore. Then Paul starts talking about baptism. And stick with him here. Paul is showing how baptism is a physical picture of a spiritual reality that has taken place in the Christian's life. You see, baptism is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But Paul is saying that it's also a symbol of what Christ has done in our lives because of the salvation we've received through faith in Jesus. Remember, believers, before we were in Christ, the Bible describes us as children of wrath, as spiritually blind, bound to sin, headed for hell. That was true of us. But then we put our faith in Jesus Christ, and all of that changed. That sin nature that dominated us was overcome. Those chains in which we were helplessly bound to sin were broken. We exchanged our heavy burdens for the easy yoke of our Savior. We became united with Jesus Christ. And that old sinful person that we once were died. That's why in Ephesians chapter 4 we're told to put off the old sinful self and put on the new self. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 5 tells us that anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. In other words, through faith in Jesus, we've died to that old self. And we've been raised to a new life in Jesus Christ. 
You see, baptism matters because it is a symbol of the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. It's a picture of what Jesus did for us and what Jesus has done in us. When the baptized believer comes up out of the water, that symbolizes the new life they now have in Jesus Christ. A new life that's possible because Jesus rose from the dead. And because he lives, believers, we know that we will live forever with him. Church, remember, we are not baptized to wash away our sins. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can do that. We are not baptized to receive salvation. That only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. We're baptized because Jesus commanded that his followers be baptized. And we should desire to obey his commands, to identify with our Savior and to rejoice in the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. So I'd encourage you to remember this truth about baptism, and it is this. Baptism is the joyful declaration of the new life a Christian has in Jesus Christ. Remember that. Baptism is the joyful declaration of the new life a Christian has in Jesus Christ, and it should be a joy for believers to engage in baptism. It should be a joy for the church to witness baptism. This past week, in, in preparation for our international mission study, I had the chance to read a story about a missionary couple serving in the Czech Republic. They talked about how they worked very, very hard there, and after some time they began to see gospel fruit. They saw these people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. But some circumstances came up, and this missionary couple had to leave the area. So on the final night that they were meeting together with this group, about 16 young believers came to them. People who were young in their faith. They had recently accepted Jesus, and they came to this couple and said, you're leaving now. What are we, we going to do? We haven't even been baptized yet. So the missionary said that one of those individuals had an apartment nearby, and they all went to the apartment. They crowded inside, filled a bathtub up with water, took the door off its hinges, and they started baptizing. And what a joyful thing that was for those believers. Baptism is the joyful declaration of that new life the Christian has in Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here this morning, and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, but you have not yet been baptized since then. Maybe you were baptized as a baby. Maybe you were baptized and then you put your faith in Jesus Christ. But remember, Jesus said baptism, the baptism he commanded, is for his disciples. So since becoming a disciple of Jesus, have you followed through in baptism? And if not, you can do that today. Yeah, but Andrew, I wasn't prepared for that. That wasn't my plan today. I don't have a change of clothes. I don't have towels. I have a feeling there were 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost that could have said something very, very similar to that. Remember, baptism isn't about our plans. It's about our obedience to Jesus. So the question is, are we prepared to obediently follow through with baptism? If you're here and you've already made that decision, you've already been baptized since putting your faith in Jesus, I hope that today you would be encouraged by that reminder of the new life you have in Christ. I hope that today you would make it your plan to encourage other Christians who haven't been baptized yet to do that. That you would feel equipped to share with them why baptism matters. But if you're here today and you would like to be baptized, as I mentioned earlier, we're going to give you that opportunity. So after our invitation song, we're going to baptize a couple individuals. And if you would like to join them, then during our invitation song, 
when Pastor Richard comes up and as he plays our final song, I encourage you to go to the back and you can find Pastor Brandon, who will be back there. You can find Miss Brandy Alderman also in the back, or you can come to the front and find my lovely wife, Casey, and they would uh, love to talk with you very briefly, and then we'll baptize you today. We have towels, and you can take them home with you, okay? <laughs> and if you're joining us online or on the radio and you would like to be baptized, please contact us here at the church. We'd love to set that up with you, or we would love to help you find a church near you where you could be baptized. And believers, let's all walk together in obedience to the Lord. And if you are joining us this morning and Jesus Christ isn't your Savior, you have never given your life to Him, if that's where you are at, then my final message to you is the same message Peter gave that day of Pentecost. Friend, Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and mine. And He didn't stay in the grave. He powerfully rose from the dead. And right now, he is waiting to offer you the forgiveness of all your sins and the salvation of your soul. If you will go to him in repentance and faith, we also want to give you the opportunity to do that. Let's pray together. Friend, if that's where you're at, if you know Jesus isn't your Savior, but, but you're ready to make that decision, you're ready to repent of your sins, to put your faith in Jesus Christ, then please know you can do that right now, no matter where you are in life, no matter where you're joining us from this morning, you can go to Jesus. Admit to him that you know that you're a sinner, but that you know he died on the cross for you and that he rose from the dead. Friend, give him your life. He'll save your soul. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that if there is anyone here struggling with that decision about putting their faith in you, I pray that they would talk with someone about that before they leave here today. They would talk with myself or Pastor Richard, Pastor Brandon. That they wouldn't go through life unsure of where they stand with you. I pray that if there are any believers here who haven't followed through in baptism, that today would be the day. That they would come and get baptized. That they would make that declaration of their faith made known. They would celebrate that newness of life they have in you. I thank you for the individuals who are going to do that. And I pray that you would allow their testimony, their example, to be an encouragement to all of us. Help us to be a church that rejoices every time a lost individual is found, that an unsaved person comes to Jesus Christ for salvation. And help us to rejoice when believers come forward in baptism. Father, we pray that in all these things you would be honored and glorified because that's what we desire. It's for you to be praised, not us, not this church, you. Father, we love you. But baptism, baptism, when we remember what Jesus did, we're reminded of how much more you love us. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.